Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon. And on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 67. We're back after a much-needed hiatus. And I'm giving myself the look of shame. I'm sorry. It's been a while since the last episode. But we are back. And hopefully you're not mad at me. Um, I just needed a bit of time and some preparation to get this next series squared away for you guys. Uh, But we're here nonetheless. And I'm so excited. Uh, You know, we're winding down 2022. And I just want to say thank you to all you guys for listening and tuning in every month. It's been an incredible journey all year long. I have been able to go to places that I never thought I would be able to step foot in and talk to some incredible people that I never would have imagined that I'd have the opportunity to talk to. Um, Just want to give a big thank you to anyone that's come on the show, lent me their time, their stories. It is just so greatly appreciated. And thank you all for supporting, listening, sharing all of these stories. Uh, It means the world to me. But we're ending out 2022 with another really incredible series. And we're going to get a little personal for this one. Can we get a little bit personal? Let's talk about motherhood. It's the ultimate role for many women on this planet. And it's one heck of a job too. Now, let me preface this. I don't have any wee ones quite yet, but I can only imagine when that day comes. And to be quite honest, I just hope that I'm ready spiritually, financially, mentally to be the best role model and mother I can be for my kiddos. I've wondered, being a busy woman in the media and music world, how will I one day be able to manage and juggle both roles? I want to be a superwoman for my children, but I also want to continue making an impact with my work too. Well, I thought I'd talk to a few women in music who are balancing motherhood and their work in the industry like a pro. And some are taking their kiddos along for the ride too. Over the next four weeks, we'll hear from boss mamas who are doing it all in the industry, from DJs, podcasters, to Web3 wizards. These women are amazing mothers, community leaders, and role models who I hope to be one day. And I can't wait to share their stories with you. But before we get into those incredible stories, I thought it would be good to reflect on how the heck I got into DJing and found myself wrapped up in journalism and all the other creative things that I do. I'm so grateful for my mother, Miss Sharon, who saw from a little girl that I was so fascinated with the arts. I mean, mama had me in theater classes, dance class, violin, you name it. And I think about all of those things and how they helped to cultivate me into the creative wizard I am today. She's had a front row seat on the evolution of Shannon. And now she gets a front row seat to all the shows, too. (laughs) I talked to my mom about what it was like watching me grow up, the challenges of motherhood, and why she thinks my knack for DJing comes as no surprise. Uh, I think we spoke a little bit about it, but um, I'm just curious to know why I do the things I do in terms of music, interviewing, writing, and how you have played a vital role in helping me to cultivate a lot of those skills. Um, and, you know, I thought, who not, who would know better than you, right? You've watched me grown up from a little baby. You've seen me dibble and dabble in so many different things throughout my childhood life and now my adult life. 
Um, and yeah, you, you would know best, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you were, you were special. I mean, you know, you, your sisters, you all were special, but, uh, as a parent, um, I watched you all, mm. um, as you grew and I paid attention to the things that you liked and the things that, um, uh, you didn't show uh, much interest in. Mm. And um, that basically was my um, blueprint. I paid attention to what sparked your interest. And um, what I learned was, um, you know, you were very creative. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as early as I think like, four years old, maybe three, uh, you, you, you created this uh, book and it was called yeah. <laughs> The Hole. The whole. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, you, you created this book called The Hole and it was quite interesting. Um, this hole was like, I guess it, I don't know, I guess the things that uh, the little girl didn't like would go into the hole. The hole would make it disappear, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And and um, I just thought that was like so very interesting. And you were able to sit down and explain to me about uh, the pictures and um, the things that the little girl liked and she wanted to keep those things stay you know floating all the time <laughs> and the mean people and the things that you didn't like that made you sad that black hole would consume it and so um yeah and then the title the black hole i i just i just um i thought that was a very creative peaceful little girl um you know three Three years old. I I believe you were like three, three and a half at the time. What? Okay, so that well, okay, let me tell you this, because it's not very every day that you come across a three-year-old kid talking about black holes. You weren't <laughs> you weren't concerned at any point that hey, is something going on? Like maybe she's sad about something. Or? Yeah, well, well, yeah. And so I was like, Well, what would make you write about a black hole? You know, like are, are you sad? Is there someone bothering you? Um, yeah, I did. I, I ask. Uh, I ask many questions to try to find out, like, how's this kid thinking, or to know that what makes her sad and the things that she doesn't like, <laughs> she's going to create this black hole, and that would be um, her tool to get rid of the things that she didn't want to deal with. So. <laughs> Yeah, that that was very, very, very um, creative. And then you always, um, you always had your own style. Yeah. Um, you were always very independent. Uh, one of the things that would drive me and the rest of the family crazy, um, like when we would go on outings or when you were with me walking in the streets, mm -hmm. and um, you never wanted anyone to hold your hand. And you always had to walk ahead of us. You never, 
you never wanted to like walk side by side. You wanted to walk on your own and, you know, would often say, you know, I don't want to hold, I don't want my hand to be held. I can walk, I can walk by myself. I mean, that's so, a good thing. Yeah, I think I, I always really, um, I always really loved my independence and just kind of like mm -hmm. being on my own because it gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do, you know, and especially in those moments where, I don't know, I guess I felt empowered to just do whatever. Those were the moments where I really remember like gravitating to the things that I liked, whether it was, you know, building a little story on my own, talking to, mm -hmm. you know, my little toys and making them do all kind of crazy scenarios together <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Happened. Um, it's interesting to hear that you really kind of uh, held on to allowing us to have our own autonomy and allowing us to figure it out the things that we wanted to do for you as a parent like how did you balance not necessarily trying to push what you wanted us to do with our lives compared mm -hmm. to you know just allowing us to develop our own ideas on what we wanted to do with them with ourselves well um that is uh that was very easy for me I have to say because Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a very, very, uh, strict environment. My mom did not allow us to have autonomy and, um, everything was told. Um, you know, every, everything was always mapped out for me. It's like to make a decision on my own at a very early age was not something that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother was very strict, and um, yeah, and 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 uh, I felt like I didn't have a voice growing up, and that was one of the things that um, when I was old enough, I guess, to think about, you know, becoming a mother one day. Um, that is one of the things that I promised that when I have children, I will never, ever, ever. Um, hit my kids uh, you know um, not that my mother uh, tried to hurt us but uh, like I said that was her way of disciplining us you know with the belt and so that was uh, something that I um, always told myself I will not uh, beat my children and um, and I would allow them to have a voice you know and let my kids know that if there is ever 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 um at any time, no matter what the circumstances are, if you guys needed to talk to me, don't ever be afraid to talk to me. And I don't care how bad it is. Um, you have your mother who will always have an open ear. And sometimes, and I used to tell you that, like, you know, sometimes I may not like what you tell me or, you know, like, like kids do sometimes, you know, you misbehave, but we can always talk about it. And then uh, as a parent, uh, for me, and I'm, you know, again, I didn't grow up with this, that sometimes there are things going on outside the household where um, it causes a child or influences the child to behave. Um, sometimes, you know, um, to misbehave, um, or to do things that they should not do. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's two sides to a story, as they say. I know it sounds cliche, but there's always two sides to a story. And again, um, that children should be seen and not heard. I, I, I hate that. I hate that phrase. I hate it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you were just a very, um, you're a curious uh, little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you ask questions. You talked a lot. And, um, you know, I did whatever I could to nurture that curiosity. And um, you had grandparents that were just amazing. My mom, your your, your dad's parents, um, you had phenomenal grandparents that also um, helped to cultivate that, 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 that very open, creative mind of yours, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, to see you where you are right now um, in your very still young life, um, I'm just I'm so proud, and um, I just I'm, I'm just fascinated when I watch you, you know, play your music, and when I hear you interview uh, some of your guests um, that 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 you interview, and when I read your stories um, that you write. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm just, I'm just so proud. I'm just so proud of your accomplishments. And, uh, and I see you going so, 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 so much further. And uh, you just, you've done a lot so far in your young life. And, um, mm. you know, that's because you are so, you know, curious and creative and always looking to do better like you always try to outdo yourself <laughs> that's true that's a fact <laughs> that's a you fact. Know, so um i'm glad to see that that you know you work hard and um you know and it will and, and it it's pay, it's paying off and it will continue to pay off um all the things that all the hard work that you do share yes i i also feel it and i really credit you because you helped to cultivate a lot of that you know i remember going to a little broadway class i forget the name of it <laughs> that i liked going to so much uh what was it called off stage or something like that or oh, off broadway what was it called um city lights oh city lights that's right city lights City Lights, the 92nd Street Y. For the dance class and the violin classes, which I liked. I feel like I would have liked the violin classes a little bit better if my teacher wasn't an asshole. Um, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most violin teachers that I've uh, encountered, (laughs) they are pretty... You know, pretty tough on their students. And I guess because, you know, they're striving for perfection and uh, they take what they do seriously. And uh, their goal is to, um, you know, as they say, you're the flower and they want to make you grow and they want you to be the best that you can be, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, um, I, 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 I feel, I felt, she saw the talent in you yeah. and um, to get away for so long without <laughs> being able to read the music. Um, I think it, 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 it was, um, 
it was a shocker for her, you know? Um, <laughs> it's just like all this time that I've been playing and, um, you know, watching this young girl play and she wasn't reading the music, she was playing by ear. And um, she wanted you to learn how to read the music, which was really, really important. Um, but um, that's another thing. I think um, because the teacher, you know, was a bit tough, um, I think that was one of the um, reasons why we didn't continue. Yeah. And um, I never, that's another thing, um, I never believed in forcing you girls to um, stay with anything that you didn't like or made you unhappy, you know, because again, uh, kids, you know, need to be heard and, you know, I need to know why. And uh, if you said it didn't, you know, if you weren't happy and if you had no interest and um, what I thought you did have interest in and, and thought, you know, you enjoyed and, and, and you were really accomplishing something you know from from whatever the the um uh what, what do you call it the, the after school activities um if you if, if it wasn't happy if you if you weren't happy doing it then um, mm. no I, I never forced you or made you go i just tried to find out okay so what's the next step what's the next thing we can try that you might like to do and you know eventually you know, you could also um, benefit from as you got older and you went to college, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was that was my um, mindset. And those are the things that I used to think about. Mm -hmm. When it comes to my music side of things specifically, you know, I have fond memories of us, you know, driving around in the car, listening to all kinds of music from... Mm -hmm. And I don't even know from freaking Living Color to James Brown to I mean you well, name it. You can thank your dad for that because <laughs> oh my god, you would listen. So I mean, th there was just like so much that you guys grew up with listening to. Um, I think. You, you know, not think, I know, but your dad exposed you to. Mm. So, um, and then to, you know, like I said, I, I was always watching you, um, you know, oh, wow, she's really paying attention to this music. You know, she's, she's talking about the beats. She's talking about the mood. Um, you had interest in the artist and, you know, where did the artist come from? You know, when did they get started? And, um, you know, things like that. I mean, as, as, as a young girl, I just um, thought that was very interesting to, 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 to see. Um, and that, I think, is, that was the segue for the theater. Because mm -hmm. you would watch, um, you would watch some of the uh, plays on TV. There were plays that, um, you had gone to and you're like, oh, I want to be on stage and I want to, I want to do that. And I want to sing like that. And I want to act. <laughs> and so um, that, that, that was the start, I think, of 
um, like you're really diving into music and uh, the theater. Um, yeah. 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 I'm asking all the people that I'm interviewing on the show, you know, what's the most challenging thing about being a mom and what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom? Uh, Especially to, to three girls. I would say the challenging. Oh, wow. That's a hard question. Yeah. <clears throat> the most challenging for me is um, I've always uh, worked um, when you guys were little. And um, I think I can remember maybe during your younger years. I may have stayed home for maybe about a year or two. Mm-hmm. And um, and I went back to work. So there were days that um, I wanted to stay home and, you know, be with my girls and, you know, be home when you guys came home and not have to leave you with babysitters or take you to, you know, like, or have people take you to the, um, what do you call it? after school programs, you know, like I, I wanted to be like the, the, the homemaker, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, pick the children up from school, take them to the piano practice and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'd say the most challenging thing is like when you see your child um, distress and again, sometimes adults don't feel what's going on with a child you know at school is um something to be concerned about you know oh they're children they'll get over it oh this is what children do no um children can be very mean and um the repercussions of that meanness and bullying um can really damage a child's spirit you know so um, I didn't have that too much with you. Um, again, you were very uh, vocal. You would speak up and you would, you know, defend yourself. But challenging me overall that sometimes a mother can't always take away the pain of her child. Yeah. And um, as much as we try to shield our children, um, uh, you know, we can't always block the pain that they may encounter or endure throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, one of the challenging, the most challenging, um, not being able to stop the hurt, the pain, the pain um, that um, I'm, I have, you know, witnessed. Um, mm-hmm during your, your, your younger years. Um, yeah. Maybe that was the most, most challenging. The most rewarding mm-hmm. um, uh, piece of being a mother, watching my children grow mm-hmm. and watching um, to watch how independent you girls are and all the accomplishments that you have made. Uh, you traveled to so many places. I mean, places that I only have thought about. And um, a lot of your travels you did by yourself. Um, Again, 
the um, the eyewitness this independence of yours at a very early age. Um, and um, I had to really do a lot of self-talk, like not to worry um, when you would say, okay, mom, I'm going to Japan by myself. Oh, mom, I'm going to Australia <laughs> by myself. Um, I was about to lose my mind. I was talking to DJ by myself. <laughs> uh, exactly. While you were doing tours over in China, traveling by yourself from different places and you know um I I just had to like you know stay positive and I had to talk to myself and say hey you know this is this is her this is her life this is what she wants to do this is what makes her happy and um and I and, and I just had to like just stay focused on that she's happy she's doing what she wants to do and um, the, 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 the rewards of seeing how accomplished you are and were as you were traveling through the different uh, uh, countries and cities, you know, and other parts of the world. Oh, man, your mother was just so, so very proud of you. Um, and worry was I? Oh, very much worry. I, worried I was, but again, um, you don't take your fear and transfer it over to your child, um, you know, especially when you're young and you're adventurous and curious and you have a right to see and enjoy that, you know? And so um, that, that, that is rewarding. I felt like the work that I put in, my children, my investment, <laughs> Oh, my children, I'm just the, the, the very hard work I felt that I, I did as a mother, it, 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 it paid off because, you know, trying to make sure that your children stay safe, um, trying to provide the tools that your children need in order to be successful. Um, it's, all, it's, it's, it's not always an easy job, you know, it's not always easy. And I don't, I don't want to say it's a job because um, I love you, I love your sisters, all equally. And I always say that, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just to, to watch you and Siobhan and Chanel, um, you know, it's just, just been such a, it's just been a joy, an absolute joy. And like I said, you girls have done so many things and just had so many great experiences. And that's what life is about, experiences, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you have so many stories that one day, you know, if you have children, you can sit down and, I mean, just share with your girls or your boys and or girls and boys about <laughs> all the amazing things that you did, you know, um, when you were younger. And then lastly here, I mean, how has it been coming to the shows? You Now you've been to elsewhere. You got to see the Halloween show. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you watch me write an interview every day, but I'm interested to hear about uh, what is your experience just having that front row seat to the DJ show. <laughs> and if you have, if you enjoy yourself too in the process, because <laughs> I know it can be a lot, you know? Yeah, well, I know... Uh... I have to say, uh, elsewhere and um, 
the uh, nowadays. <laughs> um, what I what I enjoy is like the young folks. They just really enjoy themselves, and they are listening to my daughter play. Mm-hmm. And you are doing, and you are putting out there some amazing sounds. You are. Are responsible for making people happy and laugh and just have pure good fun. Mm. And um, to watch you perform, um, it's just it's just it's just an amazing feeling. I mean, like how you just go into your own zone and you know to watch your little hands um, move <laughs> the way they do. You know, it's like almost like you're playing an instrument. So to see your hands move and turn those uh, dials and, and things on the board is just fascinating to watch. It, it, it really is, and um, uh, you're just you're just you're just amazing at what you do, um, Shannon. You, you're really, really, really um, an amazing DJ, and you're also a perfectionist, and. Um, <laughs> You sometimes you don't know when to like okay, let me just rest for a little bit. That is the one thing that I would say I wish you would like learn to do a little bit more, right. like not to be so hard on yourself and know when to um, say okay, it's time for some self care. Mm. You know, yeah, that's my goal for twenty twenty three. I'm gonna. You know, mm-hmm. just take that time to reset, refresh. And usually when I do that, that's when I come up with my best ideas. So I'm taking mm. your word for it. We're coming out of the interview between me and my mama. She's so adorable. And let me tell you, you if you have ever been to one of my shows, it's very likely that you've probably seen my mom moshing in the front crowd. <laughs> it, it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, But yes, without further ado, let's jump into the next interview. I had the pleasure of chatting with music industry vet and Web3 aficionado, Steph Guerrero. She's a busy mother of two. And Steph has cut her teeth at some of the biggest record labels like Sony Music to Universal, doing everything from digital promotion to content development for artists. Now she's calling the shots at her own consulting firm called Goat for Mars a development and community building company that helps to power Web3 projects and assists artists in finding opportunities in the growing space. I spoke to Steph about her early days in the industry, how she juggles her busy work schedule with two beautiful children, and why the Web3 community is ripe with opportunity for emerging artists. Check this out. Awesome. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, And I think it's really exciting that you're kind of forging this really cool path in Web3. But a lot of artists don't know what it is quite yet. Even myself, to be honest. (laughs) You know, like I, I still know a little bit about it in terms of how, you know, cryptocurrency could be used as a tool to build community in the space. But I don't know quite yet how it works. So it's nice to have your expertise on this. I am excited to come and 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 bring you these expertise. I'm I don't wouldn't say that I'm an expert because all of us I feel like in Web three we're still learning, but I I'm happy to impart any knowledge I have. 
Uh-huh, yeah. Well, first, before we get into what you're doing currently with Web3, I'm just really interested to hear about your story and how you kind of found yourself in the industry. So I have actually worked in the music industry since 2008, 2009. Um, I have always loved music. Actually, I studied liberal arts in music um, with a vocal performance. It's just been something I'm really passionate about. And I've also always loved technology. And so just going through college and like back then we were coding MySpace pages for people to promote their bands and, and that's how they ha- would help their music. I realized that I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was a performer myself, but instead I wanted to help other performers. Um, and so because I was really passionate about technology and music, I really just got into the whole idea of digital marketing and how we can use emerging technologies to help music, you know, become more popular and just people connect with it. Um, and so that's, that's what I've done all my life. You know, it started with social media, then it went into like the digital platforms like Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, now I am on the Web3 space. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was reading a little bit about your background. You were actually doing some work with Sony Music and Universal at one point? Yes. Yeah. So actually my first job was at Sony Music and I worked there until about 2012. And most recently I left uh, Universal Music Group. Nice. How was that? I mean, like, that's like the the place to be. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a lot of learning. Um, Big corporations are not as limber or as innovative as I would have liked. You know, you probably won't learn as quickly, but you will definitely connect with the right people and realize other things about the music industry that are also important to know that um, are going to be maybe harder to translate towards to technology. So, you know, that's, you know, that was, it was a great learning experience. I I made met a lot of good friends and definitely a lot of amazing artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say that, like, um, if I do go back to school, I would really like to go back and do something um, with music business, just learning kind of the ins and outs, maybe the legalities that uh, certain artists might not be aware of when they're stepping into contract work. So that's something that I'm actually thinking about as well. Um, but where are you from originally, actually? Are you based in Florida or? I am. I am. I was actually born here in Miami. Then I lived in South America for a little bit and then I came back. And I started working on labels here in Miami. So I've always I've always just been a, a Miami local. I've lived for shorter periods of time everywhere else, but most of the time has been here in Miami. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I feel like Miami is like associated with a, not a, a lot of nightlife culture, but as far as like underground music, it seems like it's sort of building up now. Yeah, I feel like now it's building up a little more. There used to be a lot more smaller venues, but because Miami does attract a lot of uh, big business, you know, a lot of the venues have been bought by the one company that owns all of the venues. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of become a little a little trickier. Um, but I feel like right now there's a, a very healthy kind of local scene of musicians here that, that are performing in non-conventional venues. And it's become an exciting city, specifically for crypto, too. It's like just a great city for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to know when you were kind of, you know, dipping your toe around with Sony and Universal, um, at what point did you kind of realize, oh, hey, you know, now I'm about to get ready to have children. And how did that kind of shape your thought process in terms of your goals being in the music industry? Yeah, you definitely work crazy hours in the music industry. You know, you have parties that you get to at midnight, for example, which you know, that's not really plausible when you have children. So I was definitely afraid um, to tell people <laughs> that I was going to have my first child when I had my first three years ago. 
But to my surprise, you know, my bosses were actually really welcoming and accommodating. I don't know that that was necessarily the the response I got, like company wide, or I I don't know that if I felt that like the culture as a whole was very welcoming. It was very sort of friendly, but at the same time, not super accommodating. You know, I decided to breastfeed my children, for example, and there wasn't a place for me to actually pump like I would have liked to. Or if I did, I had to schedule ahead of time, and it was like really embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know if, how much you know about the bodily function of like pumping, but it it really it's kind of you know it's kind of like when you need to go to the bathroom, you kind of just go when you need to. It's not a thing that you can schedule ahead of time. So it was like it was just not a very practical situation. And also, I realized that certain things um, were not just as easily available to me anymore because people assumed I wouldn't be available because I was a mother. Right. So you know there were certainly downsides, but as a whole, I feel like the friends I had were very supportive of, of the whole idea. And, you know, that was, that was exciting for me. Um, having a child certainly changes your life. So, um, you know, I, I say to everyone to be really sure that they're going to make that decision before they make it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Before I had a chat with you, I was talking to DJ Lindsay, who's pretty, uh, you know, well known in the community here. And she was saying, you know, she had to really readjust her whole life to the point where she had to move back home with her parents for a little bit, just because she didn't have the support system quite yet to, you know, sustain looking after the kids and DJ full time, you know. Um, yeah. Did you have that support system in place when you first found out that you were pregnant? Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm also here still in Miami. My parents are here, so they, you know, help me out. So I have them as support system. My husband was also very supporting, but I, I agree. I don't think, I don't understand how women that don't have support systems make it through. And, you know, these support systems are so necessary. But yeah, currently right now, too, I even have my mom in the background watching, helping me with oh. the kids right now. <laughs> that's so sweet um yeah. and you actually when we spoke on twitter you were saying that you had your second baby not too long ago right oh my, yeah, my goodness. second baby my second baby is just four months and that was a, that was a little scarier for me because at that point i didn't have you know i had broken away from universal and i decided to kind of do this this consulting business on my own and um you know consulting is not like a steady income so certainly a little a little terrifying but i decided to take, take the leap anyway because you know, my husband and I, we knew we wanted another child in our family and now we're so happy with our, with our family. Yeah. Oh my God. But that has to be so nerve wracking, not only having the second baby, starting your own firm, but like, how was that in terms of dealing with the pandemic in the background? Cause that was another beast in and of itself. <laughs> you know, the pandemic did a number, I think, especially like my first son turned one when the pandemic started. So a lot of like developmental things that he was supposed to hit through socialization, he wasn't able to get. So as a mother, I felt like I was failing there. Then I was also working from home. So I was doing a lot of Zoom meetings. So I relied a lot on screen time to kind of help me get through these things because we didn't know we could, who we could allow in our home. So that was like the other scary part. So all of that. Um, another reason why we had the baby when we did too was because, you know, we wanted to wait a little bit until the pandemic was more settled before we decided to have a baby. And then of course a pandemic comes back up as soon as like we decide to have another baby. Um, so yeah, it was certainly, it just added a lot of layers of complication to the whole, um, to the whole situation, but it's also been great because with my first son, his first year, I was going into an office and I didn't really bond with him. Um, so I was able to have that whole second year to just bond with him and really connect. And now we have a really strong bond. And then with my second, my husband has been able to like have that bond as well, because 
he's around and the baby's around and we just we're just able to to, to have those strong family ties there is a, uh, a parenting school of thought that says it's called attachment parenting where the parents are with the child most of the time for the first year or two of life and that just helps build the confidence of the children so i would be interested to see if like you know this is something that helps children moving forward i understand that like maybe developmentally there were other things that were kind of set aback but as far as confidence goes like maybe this whole idea of being at home with your parents for mm -hmm. these two years for the pandemic helped some children as far as confidence i don't know mm -hmm. it's interesting uh -huh. I would love to see that as well. Um, you mentioned a little bit about your consulting firm, but I'm wondering what made you take that leap of faith to start your own firm? Um, and yeah, how was it in the beginning, just starting out? So what happened at Universal is I was working for a sub-label and the sub-label shut down. So as a result of the restructuring, I decided to um, to leave. And I think that would have been the, the best course of action. They did offer me other positions, but they were just not anything where I felt like I was going to grow professionally. Mm -hmm. So, um, and at the same time, I was going through some like family, family things. I had, I wanted to go to South America and spend time with my family. So I was lucky to be able to do that. And, uh, and after doing that, I just, I knew I wanted to be in web three. I knew I wanted to be in web three in back in the end of 2020, just because I had an artist that I, in my heart of hearts, I still believe that she will be very successful in the space. Um, but because I was at a label, again, they're not very limber or able to innovate quickly. So I had to step aside and uh, and kind of give that up. So as soon as like I kind of came back from all the family stuff, I said, all right, let's dive into Web3 full force because I know this is going to be the future. And I have been fortunate enough to make great connections, to build a community around myself and to find artists that need help and, and see them succeed within um, the space. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many different tools being utilized in the space right now from like Sound XYZ. I keep hearing a lot about the Descent platform, but again, I just don't know how to use them. Um, how do you see some artists utilizing Web3 at the moment to, yeah, to, to build their careers? I think what I want to tell artists is, and I always start with that, is like really think about this, how you're owning the relationship you have with your fans. Right now, if you have an Instagram page, a TikTok page, whatever, you don't really own that relationship because TikTok owns it, right? So that means they can advertise against your content, whatever they feel kind of applies. Um, they can also, if they go down, you lose that relationship forever. And I have worked with many artists who built a community on Facebook and they have to move the community to Twitter or to Instagram. And then now they've had to most recently move it to TikTok. So they've lost those relationships in in the, the middle of all of this. This way, when someone buys your NFT, they're like basically bond to you. As long as they have the NFT, they're like bound to you through their wallet. So that's like a, an amazing new piece of technology because not only are your fans going to be able to see you, you're also going to be able to see them. And so you can tell how many fans are holding your NFTs for as long as possible. For example, if someone's been holding your NFT since the beginning of your career, you can reward them for that. You can invite them to special events. And so it's a, it allows you to have a more meaningful relationship with your fans. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I tell artists. And the artists that are most successful are the ones that are kind of minting with that in mind, right? Thinking of, of this piece is gonna exist in the long term. So if you're gonna pick up this music video, for example, there's only gonna be one edition of this. You can only have one of them. So how can I make this a unique experience in addition to 
holding that um, NFT. For some people, just holding the NFT is enough. Some fans are going to be happy with that. Um, but sometimes, you know, you might just want to make them happy. And so that's this is a way that you can improve upon that. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific sites that you can suggest for artists to go to to, to utilize uh, some of these technologies? So uh, right now there's like two different types of platforms, ones that are curated, which means that only if you are selected by them, they approve you to go. And there's many reasons behind that. One of them being that these platforms want to make sure that everything that's minted through them is, um, is you know, good to go as far as like copyright use and everything like that. Um, and so those platforms are catalog and catalog.works and zound.xyz. Those are curated platforms. They're great places to go check out just what a mint looks like. Listen to it. If you want to pick up a piece, great. I always recommend that artists collect a few pieces before they mint just so that they understand the experience because it is a very it is a very cumbersome experience. And so once you've gone through it, then you understand why what you're putting on the blockchain needs to be meaningful. Mm. And then um, as far as like open platforms, there is, of course, you can mint on OpenSea. I don't recommend it because you really should own your contract. Um, and if you mint on OpenSea, it'll just be basically an, the OpenSea's contract. Um, the other, um, the the other one that's available is um, Decent, Decent.xyz, and that one's great because it lets you present your your NFT in very many different um, ways. So you can sell it on a bonding curve, which means that the first buyer gets rewarded because they pay a cheaper price, and then the more buyers you get, it goes up, um, which is kind of exciting. Um, and you know, it lets you just mint it regularly. You can set up an auction, you can make it so that your NFTs are rentable or even, um, make them open, uh, uh, make them for available for staking, which is another, basically you're just incentivizing people for holding your NFTs. So decent.xyz has a ton of tools. There's also vol.fm. Um, which, you know, allows you to mint on Polygon, which is a different um, a different chain that everyone uses. Most people mint on Ethereum. And then the last one is I just uh, joined the team for partnerships, artist partnerships over at Telly. And mm. Telly is spelled T-E-L-L-I-E. And that one also, you can mint your own, um, your own NFTs on there. And you can also token gate pages. So if you want to like create a page where only your holders can see that content. Um, you can do that through Telly, and that's really exciting. Ah, interesting. Outside of NFTs, though, are there any other ways artists are currently using Web three to build, you know, more community with their fans? Yeah. So, token gating is is a big one, right? So your NFTs are essentially tokens. Some artists aren't necessarily creating a formal NFT, they would basically just giving their fans tokens. And that's a great way you basically create like a reward system for your fans. So you can reward them for doing things like pre-saving your track or for, um, you know, buying concert tickets or buying merch, et cetera, et cetera. You know, those are kind of things that, that people can use for that. And then the other thing is metaverse concerts. There's tons of um, metaverse concerts happening right now, which are exciting. I've seen a lot of DJ sets on this uh, platform called Decentraland. And those are really fun to go see because people will, they can buy like, you know, fun things for their avatar to wear and and it makes it into like, just like a fun experience. It's almost like a real show. Oh, cute. Okay. So just so I have this understanding, 
they can buy essentially whatever they they get a song from the artist they get a token back and then they can use that to like buy other little cute things into central land or whatever have you yeah so ah. two separate things one thing is the tokens you can give fans tokens for doing things that support you and then you can make those tokens you know be used for redeeming rewards or and then the other thing is which i mean you can also tie them together because all of these things can be used together or separate <laughs> um the other thing is the central land or like metaverse concerts where you can sell or you can give away wearables so it'll be like merch digital merch for avatar um to wear at your concert wow see i had absolutely no clue that any of this like, stuff was going on you always see like you know pictures of the dj sets in decentraland and uh, the metaverse going on but like i don't know how to access them or where to go <laughs> um yeah i think you just need to get like a link invite and, and we'll get you there there's actually a really cool event i'll send you the link to it so you can check it out um tomorrow I would absolutely love that. Um, you actually had put up a question this morning on Twitter and I forget what it was. I think it was something about like, you know, how can we make things more equitable for artists in this day and age, right? Because, you know, this recession is causing a lot of fears. You have artists that have had to cancel their tours recently because of what's going around with inflation and, you know, mix that with the COVID-19 pandemic and it's even worse. Um, what were some of the responses that you got back this morning? I'm curious. So my question was actually, how can we help artists stay independent, um, independent oh. artists stay independent, um, which it does actually touch to that. Um, my my goal was to try to get, okay, sorry. So my goal was actually to try to get responses about that. It my, my The core of my question is that, how can we make things more equitable for artists? Because what happens right now is, because artists keep getting signed to these major labels or big corporations let's not even say big labels because i don't want to say that the labels are responsible it's also the publishing side um there is some patronage right now through web3 where like there are people that just believe in artists and are giving them money to do what they do um without expecting any returns but that's not necessarily the answer for every type of artist so that was my question. Like, what tools do artists need to truly stay independent? And I know that artists just want to sit and create. So, like, what other tools do they need? Do they need an accountant? Do they need, like, maybe an attorney or maybe, like, a legal company that they can hire and tap into when necessary, but not but not something that, you know, is super expensive out of their pocket all the time? You know, those are those are the questions that I asked. But the majority of answers, the robust, answer, like, um, echo was basically they're looking for funding. Um so I'm hoping to help with this research project through an organization, uh, a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization called Water and Music. And they're actually doing an investigation into like what options are there for artists out there to fund their projects. So I'm excited to participate in that and hopefully I can give some answers to all of those people asking for funding. That's actually really great. Um, I did a live version of the podcast last week. And one of the questions that came up was, you know, what if like, maybe some of the top paying artists in your community came together and sort of pulled their funds into some sort of larger artist fund that artists can apply for, for access for all kinds of resources. Um, that was one thing that came up, but I don't know how that would be allocated or how it would be done, but it's just something that we're thinking about doing here in New York. Um, and maybe that model could be used for other communities, but we'll see. Um, I had two more questions for you and I'll let you go. Um, aha. 
what, and I'm asking all my moms this for this episode, what is the most rewarding thing about being a mom? And what's the scariest thing about being a mom, particularly in this day and age? Because I just feel like it's a scary time. <laughs> okay. What is, I think the most rewarding thing is just to have that unconditional love and that safe space. Um, it's crazy because even, you know, even with like our partners, like, Sometimes, you know, you like argue with each other, but it's not like, you know, and so, you know, you're not okay. I'm not saying that the love isn't there, but you know, you're not okay. But with children, or at least with my children that are very little right now, I've never had that issue. Like, even while they are having a meltdown, I can sit with them and like truly just experience the love. And I think that's, that's been the most rewarding part, just to like, know that you have that unconditional love and that it goes both ways. Um, I think that was probably the, the most, um, that's definitely the most rewarding thing. And then the scariest thing, um, it's hard not to say everything right now because, you know, it's like <laughs> RSV is going around, for example. So that's kind of like the monster at this moment. But before I, I was about to give birth, it was like a, a, a formula shortage. And, you know, I was very scared because, you know, I was able to breastfeed my first one. But I'm like, what if, you know, I have issues this time in breastfeeding? So it feels like the whole world is just it's constantly just coming up with like things um really heavy things to to throw at you and i just i want to preserve this little bubble of like safety and warmth at least for now i know that eventually my children are going to have to go through hardship and i hope i give them the tools that they need to navigate everything as you know as best as possible but it, the world is a scary place right now you know and i my my boys are they're too basically two little white boys right so i want to make sure that they know understand that responsibility of what that means and that they're able to navigate in this world and to truly contribute um to society rather than you know take from society mm-hmm, of course um are they kind of you see them kind of developing their own little personalities right now do they like music <laughs> well yes my first one loves music um i was i was working at the label when i was pregnant with him so as soon as i was born he was just like anything that was music he would dance right now he's a, a percussionist anything that can you know become a drum is a drum um, <laughs> he plays this game with me where he like he taps out a melody but he doesn't sing it he taps it i don't know how to guess which one it is which is very hard because if you don't have a melody it's very hard to see what what's going on so he's definitely music driven I can tell already from like very small babies that they were both very different. You know, my first son is a little tougher. Like he, he doesn't like to be seen as weak and this is just him on his own. But um, even when he gets hurt, he just kind of pulls it in. Whereas like my second son is a little more like anytime anything bad happens, just like full on drama. Like, no, I cannot deal with it. Um, So that's been, that's been fun. And it's, it's interesting because my first son listened to a lot of like Latin, like more high beat music. I was like my second listen to more like acoustic like because we were at home so it was more like relaxed music and so I can tell that he's more drawn towards that type of music I was like my oldest he likes like the party the party music so that's fun that's so cute (laughs) yeah love that your consulting firm is called goat for Mars yeah correct yes that's an interesting name what's the inspiration behind that so actually spoke about my grandfather earlier so it's actually inspired after my grandfather his name is marco or was marco and um that name is derived from the planet mars um and he always told us the most amazing story when he was little he was just like one of the precocious kids that would like 
do anything with like the local animals. So they had given him a goat and he trained the goat. So he would, yeah. So he would ride his little goat um, to school. The goat would like go back home and then it would pick him up. And um, his father one day, was, his father worked at the bank. Um, he father would just went downstairs and saw him like riding the goat and was like, what is going on here? <laughs> so, um, and yeah, and my grandfather was just a legend. So we always called him the goat. So because of him, I kind of called it, you know, like this is like, the goat for Mars, like, let's just like ride this little goat um, all the way to Mars. And um, yeah, so that, that was the name for my company. I wanted to dedicate it to my grandfather. We're coming out of the interview between me and Steph Guerrero. So lovely. I hope you were writing some of those resources down. I really um such a blessing to have her on the show uh well that's it folks thank you so much for listening and supporting as always if you'd like to donate to the show please do consider donating to our patreon you get access to early shows and exclusive content from me find us at patreon.com slash club management one and we will be back the week after next with another incredible episode thank you so much